The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The Gospel of the Lord. How absolutely marvelous, not just that we celebrate this great feast today, but that this celebration falls in the season of Advent. In the season of expectation, we celebrate the sinless purity of the Virgin Mary. And it is equally fitting that we have this celebration here where our nativity set has been placed with its empty manger. Consider what this means. Why we do this. Are we not preparing a place for the Lord? Physically, visibly, in our homes and in our churches, when we begin laying out the nativity scene, and all the figures are carefully placed, and we have that glorious moment when straw fills the building before we clean up. <laughs> Not that that ever happens here. We are attending to trying to create a worthy place for our Lord on the day that we celebrate his arrival, are we not? Note how beautiful that is, this idea of preparing a place where the Lord will rest when he comes. And note what we heard in our collect, our opening prayer for today's liturgy. 
Why is there the Immaculate Conception? Because Almighty God desired to prepare a worthy dwelling place for his son. How beautifully these two mysteries dovetail with one another. On the one hand, there are those things we are doing to prepare for the Lord. And yet on this day, we see that we are not the only ones who are doing preparation. And that God himself is preparing a place for the Lord. And now let's look at the difference between these places. As beautiful as our nativity displays can look with their lights, their trees, the finely sculpted figures, everything carefully placed to attract the eye, let's be honest. How clean is a stable, really? And so note, the Lord who is born in a stable, the Lord who will rest in a manger so that he can do that, will rest someplace else first. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll come to realize, as St. Louis de Montfort pointed out, that as filthy as a stable can be, my heart tends to be worse. That as unclean as a stable can be, my heart is often no cleaner than that. And we pause and we realize this act of preparing a stable for the Lord is a good thing. But it is at the service also of our asking ourselves, what about the stable of my heart? Where the king is willing to come and abide. How well prepared is that? Have I hung the lights? swept the straw? Have I arranged things well? Have I cleaned the space? In fact, before any of you guys showed up this morning, we had somebody here preparing this space by vacuuming, simply so that it would be dignified and ready for the celebration that takes place here. And now we turn to that other dwelling, that other resting place of the Lord, Our Lady. And note how marvelous this is, how we have this odd way of speaking about the Holy Virgin as both a person and a place. She is the mother of Christ, and she is the dwelling place of Christ. She is his disciple, but she is also his throne room. How exquisitely beautiful and powerful that is. And note how that points out a certain reality about ourselves as well. We are not simply his followers, for the Lord desires 
to abide within us, not simply among us. That we are not simply those who have been gifted, but those who are also temples of the Holy Spirit. This way we speak of Our Lady also points to how we need to understand ourselves. And so it is that Almighty God, even as the world is unprepared, attends to the preparation of the arrival of His Son. And he does it not simply by sending messages through prophets. He does it also by placing that star in the glorious sky of creation that announces that the long night of sin is passing and that the day of forgiveness, the day of mercy draws near. And in that black sea of fallenness, there now shines a light of unspeakably beautiful brightness. This soul, this life, spotless, clean, but not merely clean, well-ordered and filled with all that is good. Because this dwelling place of the Lord, Our Lady, is not merely an empty room that is clean. Rather, what does Gabriel, how does Gabriel name her? Full of grace. And it is important that when we understand what it is we believe about the Immaculate, the sinless conception of Our Lady, it is on the one hand something negative. She has no sin. And let's pause on that for a moment. Consider those wild impulses that tug your heart and your thoughts and drag you off course often before you even realize it. Consider that trouble you have sitting still for prayer. Consider that the moment you decide to be more patient, you end up losing your temper more than you did before. Consider the number of ways we find ourselves falling into a half-truth in conversation before we even realize it. Consider all of those ways where our appetites, our desires, our impulses, while they don't seem bad at first, often lead us to a place that isn't any good. And imagine a life that didn't have that. And how remarkably, remarkably wonderful that would be. Imagine a heart that doesn't just drift off course. Imagine a heart not easily tugged away and overwhelmed. Imagine a heart whose impulses are impulses of charity, goodness, generosity, and prayerfulness. And only those kind of impulses. That's a sinless heart. 
a heart not simply that never sinned, but a heart that hasn't surrendered to sin before the fight even began. Because that's what original sin is. It's that original disorder, that original friendship, that original attractedness to sin that seems to be hardwired within us. That wound of Adam and Eve that they passed on to their children. Impulses that are out of order. Appetites that are intense in the wrong way. An attractiveness an attractedness to the half-truth and the untruth, a selfishness, an ambitiousness, and an odd indifference. This is the world we live in. These are the hearts we are born with, but not her heart. Imagine that. Notice how the Lord prepares. It's not just a building that is swept clean. Everything is placed in proper order. Everything adds up to a goodness and a greatness that is more than simply neatness. And then, imagine a heart that doesn't come into the world in a sense with a ready deposit of resentment and insecurity within it. Imagine a heart that doesn't come into the world filled with greed, filled with anger, filled with ambition. Imagine a heart that comes into the world filled with blessedness, filled with grace. Not simply a heart where all of its desires and impulses work together, but a heart, a life that has been beautifully furnished, beautifully decorated, beautifully adorned with all of the virtues heaven can supply. Because if you were building a home for the son that you loved, would you not want to see to its furnishing as well? with the very best for that one that you love. This is what we celebrate today. That even as we place the figures and string the lights and clean the space, we celebrate that one whose heart has been swept clean before it could even have become dirty. We celebrate that one whose heart is adorned with the brightest lights of heavenly virtue. We celebrate that one filled to overflowing with the very best of all of those blessings that have so quickly passed through our fingers only to be lost. How absolutely beautiful. And in saying all of these things, we say them conscious of the words of St. Paul that reminds us that to a certain degree, this is God, what God wants for all of us. And so it is 
that for my heart, which is no cleaner than a stable, this perfect dwelling of the Lord is placed on earth. And so that he might rest in the stable of Bethlehem and the stable of my heart, he first rests in her. How beautiful. And why? Not so that my heart is content to remain merely a stable, but so that by his presence and by her intercession, my heart might become more and more truly like a temple, more and more truly like a throne room. My heart, too, might begin to be adorned with the bright lights of heavenly virtue that my heart and your heart too might be filled and furnished with grace and goodness and blessing. And that these disordered hungers and impulses of my unruly heart might little by little be placed in good, healthy, working order. What a great mystery we celebrate today. What a beautiful reality we say today. Because the simple fact of the matter is this. The only reason our Blessed Lady is the Immaculate Conception is because Jesus is coming to save you. This privilege of hers is not a private gift, a private possession of Our Lady. This great privilege, grace, blessing, and gift is a gift that is given to the world, a gift that is given to you. Because this gift only arrives, this star only shines in the night of this world. Because the great sun of justice, that great dawning of the day of salvation is coming to break, not only on the Virgin Mary, but on you and on me. And that he might rest among us here in this place we have prepared for him. He first comes and rests in that most perfect of abodes that his Father has prepared for him. And from that place of rest, he comes forth, as Scripture says, like a bridegroom leaving his chambers. To extend his arms in love on the cross, embracing this world that he has come to save. He comes through the sinless Virgin Mary, he who by his blood will wash away the guilt and the pain of sin from this world and from our hearts. How beautiful. And this bright star that is Our Lady heralds that glorious transformation in grace in the victory of Jesus Christ that the Lord desires for every single one of us. And so as you come forward to receive him today, be attentive to that. And be attentive to your heart. How ready is the stable 
for the king who desires to rest there. But know that he is coming to take his rest there because he has come through her in whom he rested before stepping forth to abide in you and receive him then with faith and ask her prayer for you that your heart might truly begin to be adorned with the bright lights of those heavenly virtues of which her heart is full to overflowing, not just for herself, but for you and for me. Amen.